Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing I know something about. Game shows, I suppose. I am your host, Jordan Haas. This is a very melancholy episode, but my guest today is Alex Patak of Ballin' Out Super and Pod Damn America as we talk about Ryan Seacrest's first hosting gig. But first, let's get through some news. Mental Samurai, that game show hosted by Rob Lowe that keeps getting pushed back, pushed back, finally has a release date again. And that's next week, March 19th, 2019. If you want to have the home game experience, please pick up a copy of Brain Age for Nintendo DS and spin around in an office chair about 40 times as you answer those math questions. You'll get about the same effect. So, we have not seen anything about the show, just the previews. I can't wait to review that show next week. Also, in terms of news, CMT has ordered the new game show, Nashville Squares, which is a spinoff of VH1's Hip Hop Squares, which is a spinoff of Hollywood Squares. The former country music television, wait, it's no longer called country music television, just CMT, Sure. Uh, has greenlit 10 episodes of its new game show, Nashville Squares, which is its current working title, slated for this summer. Nashville Squares hails from Jesse Collins Entertainment, the same production company behind Hip Hop Squares. On both shows, contestants rely on celebrities to help win money, playing a giant game of tic-tac-toe. Now, I have seen Hip Hop Squares, and I, I do kind of dig it. I mean, they got Ice Cube on it, they got Tip on there, T.I., and with Nashville Squares, I'm assuming they're going to get some some heavyweights. Maybe Kelly Pickler will be on there. Uh, Reba McIntyre is almost a definite because she was a sitcom celebrity as well. And I don't know if I'm going to be excited about these shows because the one thing I didn't like about Hip Hop Squares is that most of the episodes of Hip Hop Squares, it's celebrity versus celebrity, and those celebrities play on behalf of a contestant. So they're kind of just pushed aside in the game and the whole focus is just on celebrities quipping and then celebrities picking celebrities and then the celebrities doing the quip and then saying the thing and i understand the bloopers are a big deal of it and they want as many celebrities as they can for the show but i just can't get excited for hip-hop squares and probably nashville squares if they're both following the format that they have with season two onwards I mean, MTV 2's version was played with civilians, and it was played on a much cheaper scale. But there was also some appeal to that as well. Now, I understand why they're doing it, because these are both music channels, and these are both music people as celebrities. So so it's a nice fit to it, and the Hollywood Squares format works. It might as well have been just like Country Music Week on Hollywood Squares or Rap Week on Hollywood Squares. But to make it the full show is sure. It's one thing, sure, because maybe it's it, the questions are directed at a certain area, like country music trivia in the country music show and hip-hop trivia on the hip-hop show. But I find hip-hop squares surprisingly very cheap. And I don't like to say that for game shows because game shows are notoriously cheap. But just like the payout structure for the contestants and the in-game format, it's just, it screams slightly cheap. So I'm going to take a guess and say Nashville Squares is going to be played like hip-hop squares. Uh, It's going to be two country music celebrities picking celebrities. Those squares have values and they bank bank. 
And if they get three in a row, they get bonus money, and that's it. One thing I liked about Hip Hop Squares, though, was they tried to make sure everyone's square kind of looked like a living condition that they had. So there was like champagne bottles or gold bars or just a cool chair. And I love that. And I think that is something that gives it its own appeal and makes each celebrity that's a part of the show like almost like they're all living together and it's a big family show. So I kind of love that. And I, I'm almost guaranteeing if they're doing the same for Nashville Squares, we're going to see similar. I just want it to be with civilians playing, not really... Uh, like celebrity versus celebrity. Um, but then again, I also want to just see a regular old Hollywood Squares revival as well. So who knows? It's, it's a good game show, well thought out format. It's one that you can't really screw up on, but sometimes it, it just screams very low budget if the grand prize is like $3,000. Also, uh, speaking of which, uh, I just saw the first couple of episodes of Double Dare. Season 2 just started. Now, I can't really trash talk the show. I have friends who work on the show, and I will tell you they all have the biggest heart in this game show. They fix part of the set. Like, the, the top kit now has big flashy lights to make it more dramatic when there's a dare, and I kind of like that. I like the lighting kit. The, the lacterns are now more brightly lit. There's cool backing lighting. Almost all of it was spent on set dressing, mostly. They also got a much bigger Mount St. Double there, uh, a poosh poosh. Uh, it, other than that, it's I can't, I can't review the show. I really can't because I'm assuming the first two episodes are a tournament week and they're going back to a different week soon. Unless this is their new format, in which case... I, um, <laughs> uh, so they got Mark Summers. They got Liza Koshy. They're both fine. The trivia question's great. The physical challenges, some have just been the same from season one, but with new paint job. Others are nude obstacles, and all it amounts to is we added LED lights to a net. And that's kind of weird in my mind. Uh, they added a slime zone to the obstacle course, where I guess where would the, the slime hydrant be? They now decided, you know what? What if this is the slime zone? So when the slime hydrant blows up, the kids can get slimed and so can the contestant. And I kind of dig that. So the episode I saw this week, this is the Kids' Choice Awards week because Kids' Choice Awards is not up. Did you know they're nominated for Kids' Choice Awards? I did not know that. I really wish they would just bring it up more times in the show that they were nominated for a Kids' Choice Award for Best Reality Show and uh, Best TV Host. I really hope they bring that up more often in the show because I had no idea that Liza Koshy and Mark Summers is nominated for Best TV Host and Double Dare is nominated for Best Reality Show. I wish they wouldn't just bring it up all the time. You know, Liza Koshy and Mark Summers are nominated for Best TV Host and the Double Dare is nominated for Best Reality Show. You know, it'd be really great if they just brought it up like every break, maybe just say, hey, uh, welcome to Kids' Choice Week. Did you know we are nominated for Best Reality Show and Best TV Host with me and Mark Summers? Something like that would just be fantastic. If only it would just bring it up. Um, okay. So other than that, uh, the game is fun. Uh, the one They did make some changes, though. They know I, I don't know if this is in the main game now or if this is just because it's a tournament week, which, by the way, the last time they did a tournament week was a tournament of champions on Family Double Dare in 1993, and that was an axe. I believe because of tournament of champions, that's why the show got axed. 
So knock on wood, they learn from their mistakes on doing a tournament edition of anything Double Dare. They have. Now, I can't get angry at this because the way they handle it is actually fine. It's a, it's a week shows. The way they handle it is Monday, they have four contestants. It's a 4v4, and they're all randos. Uh, and in, if they win their episode, this one episode of Double Dare, they get to go into the main version of Double Dare where they're teamed up with a celebrity so it's one in a celebrity versus one in a celebrity. Remember, there's four kids now. So it's a 2v2 uh, game, civilian with celebrity versus civilian with celebrity. All of the celebrities are kids' choice nominees, such as, uh, I believe, uh, the one there was Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy, uh, Joel Courtney, uh, and then someone named Guava Juice. And I'm like... That's funny. His name is Guava Juice. And I guess he's a YouTuber, but I always laugh my ass off when it's people whose identities are their usernames online. Like, Guava Juice. It's, it's, it's like Bugmane. It's like, why, why would you name yourself that? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> so so when, when, it, when, they, when it came with this tournament idea, the rules are it's, it's instead of money now, it's points. So now, if you dare someone, you double the points. But be careful, they can double dare you back for four times the points, in which case you'll either have to answer the question or take the physical challenge. So they're no longer played for cash. I don't know if that's the case anymore, but that's kind of... Um, that takes a little bit off for me when it comes to double dare. Because I've always seen the front game, you know, the dare, double dare, physical challenge, to be the money buildup round. Where if you fail and you lose, you still get the money at the end and it's all feel good. And then the obstacle course is for the prizes. And I always thought, well, that's kind of nifty. This time around, I don't know if it's a budgetary issue or they don't want to pay out any cash. So they're just going to say points from here on out and make the end game worth money. But I, I don't really... Something about it just doesn't seem right to me, at, at least. Um, so with the four, it's a, it, they all have their teams and it's in a two V two and they play on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday is the final game. And that is played with the winners of both Tuesday's game and Wednesday's game. Whoever wins that game goes through the obstacle course where the prize is $25,000, which is like, holy cow, that's a lot of money for a kid's game show. But at the same time, when they were doing these obstacle courses, in at least the two episodes I've seen, it's a $5,000 obstacle course, where for each uh, thing they go through, that is $500. And if they get through all 10 in 60 seconds, they get $5,000. Don't get me wrong. I understand the need for, for money. Money is always a great prize to give away. But when it was double there, it's always like that was like one of the big things was it was for each thing you want a prize. And it was like the bike or it was trampolines. So so when you give away money like this, it just kind of just cheapens the show in a way. You can do like a cash obstacle. They did that on Family Double there on Fox. But it's it just kind of just feels not right. It feels like. Someone from upper management saw what was going on with Double Dare, or maybe some of the production is like prize companies were like, 
yeah, we don't want to like give away some boxes of, of board games and we don't want to give away David Buster's gift cards anymore. Cause it, it just, it, it just feels a little awkward to me. And then with the slime zone. So now we go from, so now it's no longer Liza Koshi. You go through this, you win this prize. And then we go to number four, which is the slime zone obstacle, which is the slime hydrant. Or in this case, it was squeezed out where they had to squeeze like a giant Capri Sun bottle that sprays slime everywhere. And then there's a, a flag to grab. And then mounting W for $5,000. And it's like, okay, fine. But it, it feels like a $5,000 grand prize in cash is way easier. And then if you only get seven obstacles, that is 3500 bucks, I think. Seven times five. Yeah, that's 3500 bucks. I mean, like, that's all right. Like, that's about the same amount of money in terms of prizes that they give away in a normal game of Double Dare. Maybe they just wanted to do the cash because that way they save more time to do more things in the front game. Or more silly things in terms of because it's the Kids' Choice Awards, they can interact with the audience more. I don't know. I I can't dictate that. Some of the new obstacles are kind of cool. Others are just kind of there. Uh, the cereal box is kind of like a nice not like a nice callback to the popcorn. Uh, but I don't. I I I I'm I'm not losing my heart in this show. And I'm not losing faith. But I'm. I, I'm just kind of just watching the Double Dare season two and just going, well, that's there. Well, that exists. Okay, that's there. I'm not excited for Double Dare. And normally, I'm excited for Double Dare. I love that show. Nothing thrills me more than seeing someone pull a plug. There's like frosting all over the place and they're just covered in it. And then there's three people just making their way through the floor and then squeegeeing it. That is just, that to me is fun to me, just to see, like, you made this big mess and now other people are cleaning it up. That is fun. But here's how I would have done the tournament style of Double Dare, even though they will never listen to me. I would have made it so it's the same 4v4, uh, but it's played Monday and Tuesday. And each of these teams are of two friends. So it's, you know, the the brother-brother and then best friend-best friend versus sister-brother and other best friend-best friend. And once again, you keep the same rules of play. You can even throw the money. Who cares? And then whoever wins those games, it becomes a 2v2 plus the celebrity. So it's three versus three. So now you have two like contestants and the celebrity guest. And then you keep playing the game as normal. So then you can play the obstacle course with a team of three. And you just throw in a ninth obstacle. Why not just do that way? So you have a room for nine. I know it's eight in 60 seconds. That is the trademark. But if we're going to do a teams of three and we're going to just make it now a tournament edition, just go two contestants and one, and one celebrity contestant and just throw nine obstacles in their direction. And you can even keep the same rules, 500 bucks for everyone you get right. Because now with the, with the final one being Mount St. Double there still, but that's now the ninth obstacle instead of the eighth, you're limiting yourself to making enough time to go up to that eighth obstacle. So so you can get to like up to maybe $4,000. And then that final one's $5,000. Hooray. I 
I don't know. But then they're playing for twenty five thousand at the end, so maybe it's going to be a thousand each or fifteen hundred dollars each. I don't know. I don't know the values. It's Friday's show. It just debuted. I do like some of the obstacles. Some of them are classic. Some of them are just repainted versions. The only thing I could safely say I still enjoy is Mark Summers, Liza, the questions, some of the physical challenges. Others I'm kind of just not excited for anymore. It's like, okay, I've seen 50 episodes with the same uh, toilet paper throw into the toilet game, but okay, sure. Go for it. They need more obstacles. They need more physical challenges. I can't, I can't get upset about that. I'm glad there's a season two, but if it's one thing I know is that after season two, usually Double Dare ends. Double Dare 2000 ended after its second season, and this one is not only a second season, it has a tournament edition, which is a, which is usually a sign, at least in my opinion, that the show is going to end. And I don't want this show to end, but someone on staff is throwing some really awful ideas at these people. And I want to see these people, these people who I consider friends, to stay on that show for as long as possible. But maybe they're okay with it. Maybe they're going to try and convince themselves it's okay. It's all right. And you know what? In some some situations, it makes sense. Cheapen the budget. Repurpose the opposite courses to make it like iconic. At least they brought back the damn pie-in-the-pants game where they fucking like hit the catapult and the pie goes flying and they put in the giant parachute pants. I love that game. I'm glad they brought that back. But I don't know if this is Double Dare. This is like a alternate reality version of Double Dare. I won't even say it's a 2018 version of Double Dare, but they are relying on social media celebrities. To which I say, if you're bringing in social media people, if you're bringing in celebrities each week, you better at least have one clip of that celebrity on that episode on YouTube that day. Otherwise, what's the purpose? You're doing all these social media people. You might as well put some stuff up on the YouTube, even if it's just a physical challenge or the obstacle course of the day, because you need something on that YouTube to promote the show. And if you're having social media people who are already on YouTube and your big competition right now is YouTube, you do it. Put YouTube clips of the show on YouTube and not just like, here's the best of compilation. No, here is like Jacksepticeye picks the giant nose for $5,000 to help kids out. Something like that would, would just be interesting. Here's Markiplier uh, play, playing the game where you, you fly cats into the giant yarn ball. Something. But I'm not seeing any of that and I don't think they have faith in this show. And there's a season two pickup, and I love Double Dare. I'm glad there's a season two. But I'm thinking, like I said in the first season review, they half-assed this. If they get a bigger budget or they know the show is going to work, season two will be much messier, much better. And in many ways, it is messier with the slime zone and some of the physical challenges. They know what's good. But in other areas... It's still kind of lacking, and it almost feels like they want the show to fail. And I don't like that. I would rather have this be, here is how I would do it, 4v4, 2v2, and then if you win Monday or Tuesday's episode, you go on to Wednesday and Thursday's episode where you and your friend or you and your family member are teamed up with a celebrity, and then you go into the Friday show. How's that work? So it's $5,000, $5,000, then in the semifinals, $10,000, $10,000, and in the finals is $25,000. 
Hey, I know how to do tournament shows. It's one of my areas of expertise. That's something I love in game shows. I love tournament champions editions of shows. And Double Dare definitely can have that. And this is way better than what they did in Family Double Dare, at least. Because Family Double Dare, they were trying to go for whoever had the fastest uh, time or whoever made the most money in the main game. Those are the only two that matter. No, no, that should not matter at all. Because obstacle courses could be rigged. Ugh. Anyway, time for Foreign Corner. Foreign Corner, uh, brought to you by Sausage Rolls and Aldi. They have Aldi's in Britain, right? I, I don't know. So Blockbusters, which was a show that existed in the U.S. and then became a huge success in the U.K., is coming back on Comedy Central, of all places, hosted by Dara O'Brien. I'm still confused by why Comedy Central would have a, a actual straight-faced game show and Dara O'Brien as the host. But you know what? In this weird society of game shows, now comedians and, and celebrities are now the hosts. So, sure, why fuck not? Anyway, so Blockbusters, if you've never seen it, was a game show where one contestant takes on a pair of friends uh, in a game where they have to go up and down or left or right, depending on what team they're on. Is two heads better than one's basically the big suggestion. Uh, to win a trip to the gold run where they win a prize. This time around, the joke is that they're all millennials, so haha, they're they can't afford things. In 2019, that's the joke. Millennials, haha. Where if they win the gold run, they get to have an experience of a prize. And unlike on bolt on blockbusters. In, in other versions, such as in the 80s and 90s, and then there's Revival, uh, you can win up to five games on those shows and win up to five cool prizes in addition to their five pounds per square. Uh, in this show, it's 20 pounds per capture and only one chance. So I, I, don't, I don't know. It feels like they really want this to be uh, truncated. I would say trunk not or book ended. I think book ended is the world term here, where it's one and done with these contestants. So we introduce more people, so Daro Brain can do more jokes at their expense. But the appeal I've always had with blockbusters and with in some cases countdown is the returning champions on these shows. They have a great I, I with UK game shows. When they have returning champions, they almost now feel like part of the show. Like, you get to know them longer. You get to know them. They're kind of people, and they're kind of fun. So they kind of become somewhat well-known people if you are just a diehard friend of these shows. And when it comes to these returning champions, that's what makes a tournament a champion special. What do you do with blockbusters in that case? You just make it one and done and call it a day. I mean, fine. But Blockbusters is one of their biggest game shows in Britain. And bringing it back with Daryl Brain, sure, he's funny, he's charming, I get that. To put on Comedy Central, whatever, there's no other network that would have it, I guess. ITV said no, or Channel 4 said no, or BBC 3 said no. It's fine. But it, it feels to me like if you're doing a revival of a game show, putting on Comedy Central is weird. And playing with Dara O'Brien is fine. It feels to me like they're trying to do 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, but with Blockbusters, which is okay. I mean, I like the 8 out of 10 Cats Countdown. I understand it. 
But the thing is, with so many of these people who love 8 out of 10 cats does Countdown, and there's so many, like, they love 8 out of 10 cats Countdown way more than Countdown. Why do I know that? Because they don't know the fucking rules of Countdown. They don't know what the letters round means, or what the numbers round is, or what the conundrum is. They just know uh, Jimmy Carr does the laugh, he, 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 and, and there is... Uh, and there is some wacky person on Dictionary Corner. Other than that, they don't fucking know. And I think they're going to try and do that with blockbusters. And I, I to, to me, I feel like the blockbusters should be a straight face quiz. It needs to be straightforward, like mastermind. And to put on Comedy Central, sure. Put Dara Brie on it, sure. I'm not excited like other people might be. I'm having my doubts with that show, but I will tune into it because it's blockbusters. It's motherfucking blockbusters. It's back. It's one. It is a guilty pleasure show of mine to watch, and I will keep watching blockbusters. It's there's no um, you know, Bob Holness, but sure. And they had Simon Mayo in 2012. I remember watching the Challenge episodes, and that was a really good revival. But I I'm not in charge of the show. And it's Comedy Central, so... Okay. All right. Finally, in terms of British television, there's a new game show from BBC Scotland. It's called Wonderball. And it goes something like this. There are three teams with two people. And each of these teams gets five balls. Ha, <laughs> balls. Anyway, that means there's 15 of the player balls in the game, and one of them is called the danger ball. Boo. The object of the game is to be picked last. That's it. But how it works is in each round of play, each of these contestants gets to draw a ball, which means it could be one of three outcomes. It could be their ball. It could be an opponent's ball, or it could be the elusive danger ball. If it's their opponent's ball, they get a question. If they get it right, they eliminate that ball from play. If they get it wrong, however, that ball is put back. If it's their ball, the team ball, they get a much more harder question to in order to save their ball in play. Or it could be the danger ball. If it's the danger ball, all six players in play get to confer with each other before coming up with the answer because they all want that danger ball to be eliminated. After five balls are eliminated from play, offers are made to the entire, all three teams for 100 pounds for one of their balls. Also, one danger ball is added, making it two if it's not selected. After five more, making it 10, another offer is made, this time for 200 pounds for their, for their balls. <laughs> it's ballsy. And finally, after three final balls, he... <laughs> Are drawn one last offer is made for 300 pounds for one of their balls as there are 18 balls overall because five times three is 15 and three danger balls in play that means there's a total of 18 13 were just drawn from the game meaning there's going to be five left in play in this final round of play with the five balls left each of the three teams draws one final ball, and this ball, no matter if it's their ball, an opponent's ball, or the danger ball, if that's drawn out, that is eliminated from play, leaving just two left, and that means one will be left standing. If it's a team ball, one of the three teams 
they will win a bonus 2,000 pounds. But if it's the elusive danger ball, no money is awarded that day. Rinse, repeat until there's a winner. If no one wins the, the danger ball bonus or whatever it is, they all come back next time and play again. Yay! It seems so light and colorful that it could definitely be a game show that would work in America. Here's how I would do the Wonder Ball show. Much like this show, they each get five balls, and that means 15, and there's three danger balls in play too. But this time around, uh, the offers are now $1,000, $2,000, or $3,000 for a ball. And the winner gets $20,000, because 10 times everything and making American money. It's a fun little format, but one little twist to this game, no returning champions. Uh-oh. And to make it worse, if a danger ball is drawn, that means the money could be halved. That means 20000 could be 10000 which could be 5000 Uh-oh. So we got to make sure the game is played perfectly and everyone works together. In, one of, in a bonus level game, one of the five balls chosen at random of the 15, that means one of each five, is a star ball, which could double the money. Just to add some more exciting format to this game. Or what you could do is it's five balls and they all have different values inside. Much like the classic game show golden balls. And make it various versions of money from 5,000, 10, 15, 20, 25. So you can win up to $25,000. Wouldn't that be something? Coming soon to GSN. Uh, other than that, like, who knows? I, I, I think it's, I think it's a fun game show. I say check out, check out Wonderball if you can see it. It's a BBC Scotland. It's, it's a nice light format. I kind of enjoyed it. When it comes to religion, we all have our thoughts about the afterlife. Where do we go when we die? Do all dogs go to heaven? Personally, I have no skin in the game other than believe that most religions just have one rule. Like, don't be an asshole, okay? But that doesn't make me a televangelist. But you know who was? Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson is famous for the 700 Club, named for the goal he had of 700 people contributing $10 a month in 1962, which would quickly go from local stations in WYAH-TV in Portsmouth, Virginia, to creating the first satellite cable network, the CBN Satellite Service, on April 29, 1977, featuring things like Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Backer. TBS is technically the first station in December 1976, but their air date was directly broadcasting from WTBS in Atlanta, which today shows Family Guy repeats, which I am told is very funny. On August 1st, 1981, the channel relaunched the CBN Cable Network, trying to be a family network airing repeats of westerns, soap operas, original anime such as Superbook and The Flying House, and yes, even game shows. 
1988, they focused on the family dynamics so much, it became known as the CBN Family Channel. But slowly, the Christian Broadcast Network name would be slowly diminished from on-air promotions. Two years later, the network became too profitable that it could no longer be a part of the CBN, as it would endanger their nonprofit status. IRS laws prohibit nonprofits from owning for-profit entities that account for a substantial portion of its activities. So Pat Robertson's oldest son, Timothy Robertson, would become the head of a company called International Family Entertainment Incorporated and buy the network. This, along with John Malone of Liberty Media, would own what is officially known as the Family Channel. The only stipulation for this sale was that the network required to carry the 700 Club that Robertson founded, which would later hold true when it would eventually be sold to Fox for Fox Family, and then Disney for ABC Family, and now Freeform, where it still airs to this day. But Family Channel is going to be something worth coming back to, as they had reruns of Name That Tune with Jim Lang, and Split Second, and Let's Make a Deal. It also had original game shows like Shopping Spree, Small Talk, It Takes Two, and more. Thankfully, my podcast is not about Deke cartoons, because there would be a big deep dive on the new Archies, and instead, it's ownership of the title, first known hosting gig for Ryan Seacrest, with Wild Animal Games. Now, Seacrest, out! I mean, turn the table! With me on the line is the one of the co-hosts of Pod Damn America, the funny person you love from, from Ballin' Out Super that's not Jeremy or KRL. It's the one and only Alex Patak. Birds of prey. We're covering shows about birds. Thanks for having me, Jordan. No problem. I I figure, considering the topic, we need someone that is an expert in leftism. Also, Dragon Ball. Yeah. People often ask what the true nature of socialism is. Is it a new society, a new way of living? Is it merely the absence of capitalism? The answer is no. It is facts about birds taught and produced by Ryan Seacrest, young and in shorts. Yes. So what happened was I I threw a whole bunch of game shows at Alex Patak, and he could have had a few to choose from. Could have had good ones like Press Your Luck or, or The Price is Right. You could have had Show Me the Money with William Shatner, and instead you threw basically the dart onto the board and wild animal games popped up um yeah uh my thing is like i always go for twisted shit well i it doesn't i mean this is probably the joker meme of of game shows if i if if i've ever seen one because of whoever lost in the woods and you take the darkest path that's where you learn real animal facts the real dark passenger is the friends we made along the way covering game shows so the first Will anybody see... have ever heard of this show? This Are is... you and I the only people who have ever seen this show? That's what I want to know. <laughs> the thing is, though, and I will tell you honestly, no, because there is a wiki page 
two wiki pages, actually. There are at least um, 45 traumatized uh, adults <laughs> at one point gone. on this I'm... show who, boy, did they see it. <laughs> yes. So, this is called Wild Animal Games. It aired on the Family Channel. Family Channel at the time was Pat Robertson's Christian Broadcasting Network Family Channel. Family Guy started on the Family Channel. It, of course. it's the, That's it, not true. I just thought I'd throw it out there. No, fun fact. Like, Peter Griffin, have, heavy Catholic. No, fun. It's, it's, you never know. He's a heavy set Catholic. Have you seen the show? Yeah, it's, it's all about the... He's all about... He wants to... <laughs> Lois, let me tell you about Wild Animal Games. Audience. Let me pitch your audience on the show Family Guy for a minute. <laughs> see it. He's got Lois, you... who's a genius, but in a bad way. Almost like really a strong. Get the dog. They also... Yeah, they have a dog, but get this. He drinks. What? He says things don't like, drink. He says things like other and then he went to brown and that's uncharacteristic of most dogs what a dog talk <laughs> so wacky <laughs> yeah i uh i genuinely uh recommend family guy over the show wild, wild animal, animal children games. <laughs> wild animal game i can't even remember the name of it and um, I don't think that's tough because it's my I new think, favorite show. I think what's going to happen is right when the recording's done, you're going to have like that Men in Black thing where a big flash of light happens, and you're going to totally forget you were on this podcast until like a I, month later when it comes out, and you're just going to be like, "What the fuck did I do? What the fuck did I see? What?" I'm going to be on a UFO podcast next week talking about missing time and how I don't remember an hour and a half from Wednesday <laughs> in February, and I think I was abducted. So this was on the Family Channel, Pat Robertson's Family Channel, and they were trying to get original programming. And so a lot of things, but before being acquired by Fox, was they tried to come up with a few game shows. Uh, I remember Family Challenge being one of them. But this time around, this is a unique show that was probably the cheapest game show you can probably think of because all you need is an animal handler and a set with uh, basically basic bamboo. But the thing is, all of the names associated with the show, including the host, one Ryan Seacrest. Who is... 13 years old. <laughs> no, I think if I had to, I'd say he's like 20, 22, like really young. He's anywhere from 14 to 35 years old. He's <laughs> anywhere between. This is his, I think one of his first uh, hosting gigs. Because after this. What's, up? What's his breakthrough? Is it I th American Idol? Well, okay. He's just like drifting around for around eight years. I think this was his first hosting gig, probably as an actor. I think he probably did some DJ work or acting. He then did a children's version of American Gladiators called Gladiators 2000. He hosted a Merv Griffin game show called Click. And then 2001, 2002 happened, American Idol hit. And that's where he got his big catapult career. Uh, that's so weird. You would just be doing a decade of anonymous hosting it, of children getting molested. Well, they didn't get, oh. <laughs> not necessarily here, but considering the executive producer allegedly, so I don't get sued. 
<laughs> sure. I mean, we can go into this more when we recap the show. <laughs> All right. So but, the first uh, thing I, I stand by what I've said. So the first thing you see is uh, Ryan Seacrest talking to an animal, and he's introducing you all dressed up like a pirate of some kind, pirate zookeeper. It's like a brown vest, shorts. It's a brown cloth vest. He has exploring shorts, cargo shorts, um, just a plain tan shirt on underneath, and the only thing he's missing is the big safari hat. See, I think that needed to happen. The big safari hat, maybe like a piff helmet, some sort of... Or just well, as I, we were talking about how you could do the entire summary of the show based on his outfit because it's such a microcosm of everything else going on in the program where they had this idea of Ryan Seacrest exploring the jungle and he doesn't have the hat and then they have this idea for uh, a show where you learn about animals and you don't really learn about animals in it you, well... and inside of his clothes. It's uh, So after he introduces you to what the theme of each episode is, because in each episode of Wild Animal Games is about one specific set of animals or just a genre, the episode we saw today dealt with birds of prey. And then we saw the most bitchin'-ass, 90s-ass theme song for a game show for Wild Animal Games. There was... I wanna play some animal games! Oh no, here's the lyrics, because there is a wiki with the lyrics. <laughs> Way deep in the jungle, you could hear the beat of the drum. It's the call <laughs> of the wild, calling you to have some fun, to play wild, 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 wild animal games. Wild, 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 wild animal games. <laughs> I'm, I'm a hit Hello, at karaoke bars. Michael McDonald's career. <laughs> the drum part of it is fun because it adds a real uh, uh, nativist yes, <laughs> element that authentic. isn't even in the show. <laughs> Nativism of so the announcer is Randy West of the show, and I'm not going to diss on the announcer because I think he did the best job here. He's not the voiceover guy that you saw in those clips in round two. He was just the introduction yeah. saying, here's Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> and that's it. Like Wild he... Ryan Seacrest. Hey, guys, how's it going? It's me, Ryan Seacrest. Before I can talk about Seacrest out, let me tell you about Birds of Prey. Here's a vulture. And Who's he... ready to see the craziest damn vest you've ever spotted? <laughs> Look at this vulture. It's not going to peck your eyes out, kids. Trust me on this. We have an animal handler. I just wanted well, more. The indeed. thing, too, before <laughs> you told me how many episodes of this there was, I was like, oh, they did one episode and then a nope, bird nope. attacked 65. a child. <laughs> 65 of them. Monday through Friday, every day, 4 o'clock on the Family Channel, right before the 600 Club. Please enjoy Ryan Seacrest learning about animals. Oh, that explains so much of what happens the rest of the show then. But, other, you know, like they had a child get eaten by a crocodile and that family just signed a waiver and they put that shit on air anyway. It's Hey, kids, look, we, uh, ordered... we, we had an elephant trample some some kids in the audience just, just wanting to know how television was made. We, we, we had a... We actually accidentally had a shark in the pool in the end. Uh, that was weird. Maybe we should have thought this a little, a little better. 
for 65 episodes of Animal Games. I and you watched you, 165 watch of them. At any cost. One pair. If it's so, life. <laughs> so first we get the animal handler to introduce the bird. We learned about vultures. And and we decided then to play a game with a team of two teams of five people of various sizes and possibly ages. Oh yeah, no, the people catching the balloons in this were definitely adults or at least older teens. Unless you were twice the, green the size teams. of the players. The green team had a kid. <laughs> yeah, green team had a kid. Um, the, so they're they're throwing balloons. Of custard? Yes. You, we were <laughs> at each out. other? What is the substance that's supposed to be in these things? I think it was supposed to be like a break the egg kind of thing, but they didn't want to use actual eggs, so they just filled balloons with... And we are trying to figure out what it was. Was it flour at first? Was it milk? Was it just... That's right. We also have a line here uh, just to get into the full set. And uh, we're, we're, we're basically going to come up with a reboot for Wild Animal Games, but it's nothing but cats and, and, and doggos. Oh, you can hear the cat then, right? Yeah, but I'm keeping it <laughs> in the audio. <laughs> I was just wondering if it was picking up, but uh, yeah, he's really, uh, he's wild right now. Yeah, it's Wild Animal Games. It's like, we could already have the big going here. What's the cat up to? What's the... This episode of Wild Animal Games, the big cat is going in circles around the rug using his claws to get some momentum and traction, while the small cat chases him off in another direction until he bounces back and goes in circles again. Well, you know what that reminds me of. Work environment to record and live your life. So we're going to replicate this with Tetherball. We're going to have two teams playing Tetherball. <laughs> okay. You know what? But we we should really flesh out what's going on with the, with the vultures. So the vulture, the vulture cracks open. Was the vulture the bird that cracks open the egg with the rock, or was that a different one? I think that was a vulture, and then there was a hawk. Then we saw a hawk. We saw a hawk and a vulture today. A hawk has a voiceover and really steals the show. But the vulture is um, the animal of decay, which is the first thing children want to cover. Yes, so what they did was they did a balloon An equal part game. of life is death. They learned about death. They learned about how they, they prey upon people to eat food. And then they did a balloon pop challenge. And then one team... To teach one, these kids about vultures, we're letting them out in the desert, and we are not picking them back up. Let's see what happens. No, no we don't have the budget for that, but we do have balloons. <laughs> balloons! Yeah, when you told me... <laughs> when you told me there are five of these a week, I was like, oh, that's why there's no desert. <laughs> Maybe they filmed it. The studio, it and they used the producer's pool. Ominously. <laughs> the producer's pool. In it. <laughs> so one team won t-shirts, the other team won 50 points. They didn't really say anything of what they really won. They just said, you won 50 points, and I it didn't really have any effect. It wasn't like part of the other team or any of the... Well, you just have to wonder if, like, they knew they were making a TV show or if they just thought they had to entertain 20 kids for a day. I mean, those kind of kids <laughs> were in the audience. I don't even think they wanted, like, people watching this. No, they looked mortified the entire time. Um, you gotta just be wondering if they were recording these kids popping balloons and just thinking to themselves, this is good television. This is educational television. We'll be on air for years. 
Well, we already did episode. We did everything. Well, what else can you cover here? We got all the animals. We're uh, we're, we're in our 18th year. Let's uh, let's do the fabulous life of, of fish. It's a fish episode. The next 60 uh, episodes of Wild Animal Games will cover, cover the dark travails of man. <laughs> no, I'll tell you the real wild animal. <laughs> the fraternity <laughs> at UCLA. I'm Ryan Seacrest. Today we're covering uh, industrialist oil barons of the late 19th century. <laughs> and you know what? We're going to crude oil to <laughs> spill all over these parrots, just like it spilled all over the Gulf Coast. Oh no, you found an orphan boy at the bottom of the well. It's time to raise him as your own. So, <laughs> so I don't know, then they give out hats or something. <laughs> well, the consolation is you get a shirt. The other guess you won the prize of the orphan. <laughs> so the, Take it. He's filthy. He knows nothing. So this, this, so after part one, where we learned about balloon popping and a team won a t-shirt and other team won points, I'm guessing they won like a small prize. I like like a like a board game or something we go into round two the animal challenge formerly known as the chimp challenge for this episode we got to see the birds of prey challenge and we got to see the best co-host eddie the chimpanzee eddie brings a lot of life to the show reviving an otherwise uh completely moribund project he brought blow like fucking cocaine's on the desk <laughs> There is a pile of white powder on the table, so I don't... <laughs> like, they didn't no explain clue. it or talk about it. The first game... Oh, here, if if you want me to... Here, just so the people at home don't get angry at me. First game... Because I'm just going to straight up because how quick the fucking wiki page is. A different game is played each day based on the behavior of the day's animal. Two teams usually compete against each other. Games include playing polo on donkeys or collecting eggs like penguins. Chip challenge. In this yeah. game... Two kids competed against each other in a memory game. A brief video documentary about the day's animal was shown to the contestants, and then three questions were posed about the video. The first question was worth 50 points, the second was worth 100, and the third question was worth 150 points. After this, a second video was shown, and with three more questions were asked with doubled point values. Each and that's the thing, is it's just bad TV. <laughs> To watch. <laughs> Here, let's just watch a clip from like some guy talking about animals. Hi, it's me. I'm a pelican. I'm on. I'm, I have a big beak and I like to scoop up fish with my little beak. I go, nope. That's how much Guinness I can fit in my craw. That's right. A whole work week. All right. So for a 50 points, how much Guinness can the pelican have? It would have had gotten more mileage out of just doing the animal fact with no games. Do you I know what I mean? Been, but do you want me to tell you what the fun fact is? Uh, the voiceover guy was Charles Fleischer. Now, you don't not know Carl who Hart, he is. Who was like 30 years old, I found out. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But what he is... I'll tell you right now. He is the voice of Roger Rabbit. Hell yes. And Benny the Cab. I'm getting work. So Benny the Cab and Roger Rabbit voiced the birds <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> The greatest time of his life in 1995. You need work. You need money. I mean, you can't get off the residuals of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so you have to probably voice. Uh... I know you think you're a star. You've been in major motion pictures. Here's what I'm offering you. You can announce children throwing balloons of custard at an adult's face while they wear a bird mask. Take it or leave it. Well, I, well, okay. Uh, 
I'm a vulture. A little, a little more with enthusiasm, kid. I'm a vulture. There we go. I crave meat. I'm a carnivore. <laughs> All this time, quote-unquote, learning about these animals, but you don't get to explore their dark character, their secrets, their twisted animus. So what made the show even better was that each child in the chimp challenge brought a parent or teacher with them, and the parent-teacher of the losing team was subjected to a pie guillotine. <laughs> guillotine! Right, I... Guillotine! Guillotine! Guillotine. I forgot about this. This was the highlight of the entire thing. Uh, otherwise, it is. They get covered. Uh... <laughs> otherwise, it's they get covered in like honey or slime or some glue, but who cares? Pie guillotine. 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 Yeah, Jordan was uh, proposing if we do a reboot, we could just uh, do the exact show exactly as it is, but use a real guillotine and maybe execute an uh, oil CEO, and then that would have some, you know, uh, uh, retribution for the kids. <laughs> yes. The thing is, though, none of them came along with the Baron, so it's like, no matter what happens, you win. I think the prize is you get to pull the lever. Uh, it would just be so funny, the whiplash between watching the custard balloon pop and then watching a man lose his head on television. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, it doesn't even work on the first try, usually. You gotta take, like, two or three swings. <laughs> but while that's going on, there's still, like, cuts away to, like, the chimpanzee clapping. <laughs> yeah, the chimpanzee had the best energy out of everyone in the show. Way higher than Ryan Seacrest. Uh, the the winner this of this age <laughs> uh, should just have been an instinct at the entire time. It should have just been the chimpanzee, no Seacrest, <laughs> or get the voiceover um, guy to voice the chimpanzee. I'm the host of Wild Animal Games. <laughs> I'm Eddie the chimpanzee. Hey kids, Oak. which school are you from that they forced you to show up today? <laughs> Where's my cigar? You kids mind if I come back to your house? I gotta get out of Dodge. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was filmed at Glendale Studios at Glendale, California, so it was a very uh, affordable place to rent a studio space. I know you're wondering, is this show sunny? And the answer is yes. It's very sunny, very bright, well lit, well presented. There's tigers with balloons on them. There's a... Uh, there's, uh, it looks like Jurassic Park. There's even elephant doors. There's even elephant doors. I wonder why. I wonder who's going through those later. It's it's crazy. Hint, what would happen in Wild Games? That's right. The elephant is here. He's going to have to throw balloons full of custard at a human being. Wow. Can't believe it. We're covering you up with sticky substances. With this continued Have you stuff, seen more of this show? That is one final thing, the waterfall prize pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you seen more of this show, I'm wondering? I have seen more episodes than I would like to tell you on air. I have seen it I have seen it on on television. That's how bad it was. Wow, really? Like when it was airing? You saw when this it when it was airing, airing? I was six. So I was the perfect audience member for this. And even then, I was like, what's going on? What does this have to do with animals? 
They don't seem like they've nailed their concept, the zero six year old. Um, no, I'm just hoping that every animal, like it goes up and it tells you like, oh, hyena, they're an animal that uh, eats at night. And then they all just throw balloons full of custard every episode. <laughs> 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 like it's the same game every time. <laughs> well, luckily, because I have seen in more episodes, it's not just custard balloon pop. There was one where Ooh. they had to, the one I saw also had bees and they had like, person like <laughs> they had someone make a bee beard it was great child yeah and then they had one where it was snakes and of course you had to get someone's mom to show up and they were like ah! <laughs> and secret is like oh you're funny hey touch the snake can you legally give a child a bee beard no but you could give their dad <laughs> <laughs> or I think it was a stunt guy. <laughs> Bring in someone you could lose in your life. I mean, they did dump honey on it, so let's learn about bee populations and... The show written by bears? <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is just sitting there, oh, bother. <laughs> we could do honey. Pooh, it's the 50th time you'd wanted to bring up honey and bees. I know. Executive producer Boo Boo. Kanga and Rue are sitting there going, God damn it, not again. Dude, they're, they're often the voice of reason in these dark times. Yeah, there's a lot of really... The there's a lot of really bad Family Challenge game shows coming up. I mean, like, there is I'm Telling, there is uh, Susha, there is... There's Family What's Challenge, but, well, animal games, there's animals in it. And when I think animals, I think of the big, thrilling, final round... When uh, random people that we have never even met before just go slide down a water slide and throw a ball into a tire. I got an idea for how we're going to end the show. You bring the kids to my house, they all get in the pool. No, no uh, well, uh, allegedly, allegedly. It'd be great television. I'm telling you, I got a slide. We got a camera. Maybe Ryan's in there. He makes them go pick up all these eggs I put in the pool. We got balloons. Can we fill with eggs? <laughs> <laughs> so they, what they did is they, they made a game where it's the kids go slide down a slide and throw a ball into a tire for points, and whoever gets the most points goes to the grand prize round. This doesn't even seem like they planned the game beforehand. This seems like they got there and was like, what do we got, a tire? Throw something through the tire. I don't know. It was something hey. that was thought up at like a summer, like a barbecue, just like, oh, my kid's having fun here in my pool. I was Why told don't I just... have to record kids in a pool and we'll figure something out. Can we make it messy? No, it's water. <laughs> I swear to God, if you throw the custard in my pool, you're cleaning it up. It's not funny. Oh, I don't care if it's for TV. It's not funny. It's gross. Well, why don't I dump these pencils in the pool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no, you're so what happened is there's 10 balloons and 10 pencils in the grand prize round. And the contestant had 40 seconds to pop all 10 balloons each with a different pencil. If they succeed, they win a grand prize. The one we saw, they won a bike. My favorite yes! was... Yes! Yes! My favorite was the way Ryan Seacrest presented the bicycle. 
It wasn't like, it wasn't even like we presented the bike out. <laughs> it was just like a JPEG of a bicycle from like five minutes, like like five days ago. They took a photo of it and didn't digitally upload it, so it's easy for the editors. So all he it says seems is, like he didn't know what it was. You want a bicycle? That's right. You win bicycle. Congratulations for bicycle. So I don't want to like. I don't want to like like spoil other prizes, but as I've seen the show before, they once gave away a Neo Geo and they a Sega Genesis. That's on par with a bicycle. That's on par with a bicycle. It's like you can you play can, Vector Man. You can Vector Man, or you can have a bicycle. I'm guessing For this episode about composting. You can play Vector Man, a game with loose. Ecological themes. Well, you're a, you're a surprise. We're doing the Earthworm episodes. You wouldn't believe what prize you've won. That's why Booger Man. Uh, we're doing the episode on greenhouse gases, and you've won a future for your children. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to plus this up. Give them solar panels for their home, whether they like it or not. <laughs> you've won a stern lesson about recycling. Yay! Reduce, reuse, <laughs> recycle! I like pitching worse prizes than they had on this terrible, terrible show. Well, it, get, it gets a bit worse. So we've established this is Seacrest's like first hosting gig, pretty much. Uh, He's doing good. Yeah, it's... Um... Feels short of the bike incident where he does not sound like he knows what a bike is. I think he does a great job explaining oh. the games so and not freaking out at the children or animals. So his first game for his first game show was Best Friends, which was a pilot, and that didn't do so well. Then came Wild Animal. It was games, like it's which... always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's just a gritty adult comedy. <laughs> <laughs> then really, then was Wild Animal Games, which was 1995. He's born in 74, so he was 21 at the time. So we were dead I'm on with the it. age. I said 13, but you were dead on with the age. Uh, from favorite foods to taste and clothes to secrets only friends would know, at least until now, nothing is sacred as teams compete in four physical games, a speed round, and a final charades like challenge for a vacation prize package, and a half hour of good times with their friends. That was best friends. It didn't sell. Thanks, Stone Stanley. But we're so going back, back to Wild in 1993, games. you can make a TV show just based around, like, I can entertain a room full of people and we'll record it. God, like that was it. This is like, who knew that this was like what eventually become Twitch? It just sounds so easy to like get work and entertainment at this time period. I'm very jealous. These would be the people who like would see those bottle flip videos and go, "Holy shit!" <laughs> that this is Gangnam Style. So yeah, I guess you know what. That's what happened though. Is like this kind of entertainment just got completely replaced by. <laughs> like makeup tutorials and dance vids or whatever because it's the same industry of just is... like we're filling time <laughs> we're filling time i don't know <laughs> but try making like twitch streaming version of this there's a child rapping it's better than the show we threw a million dollars at oh no in the but i considering the budget i will say less than a million <laughs> well i mean seacrest doesn't come cheap 
Okay. This is this is this is no name Seacrest. I'm pretty sure this is like just for exposure work for him. Look, he had to co-host with a chimpanzee. The if chim- they're not paying Ryan what he deserves. Well, fine. You can have the same blow as Eddie the chimpanzee. Is there a glassdoor.com where we look at Ryan Seacrest's different jobs and how much he got paid? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> he deserves money for this. I think like this is one of the few cases residuals. where people are underpaid in media. I feel like I have to like eventually like figure out a way to go back in time and just pay him money. Like I'm sorry. I don't know. Like if you've ever been booked on or just in charge of putting together a shitty show idea, um, it is so much harder than you would guess just hearing about it. And Ryan does it so well because he'll have to like to the monkey and then the monkey just like does a headstand and throws shit and he's like haha thanks nicholas or whatever he deals with it with such class nicholas you wacky nicholas what was the name of the monkey eddie the chimpanzee as he just keeps as he keeps like like knocking on the table like this is like half the time this is all you're hearing (laughs) i once got yeah, that's his main contribution. Do you know how that's like bad co-hosting? That's not listening to He's, your partner. He is the equivalent of Jimmy Fallon. Now that I think about it, hey, hey, hey. like he I does gotcha. not. He just claps and slaps the fucking table. Now it like it's it's just Fallon. They should just call it the Roots Show. You know, the that, Roots Show. Go. Jimmy Fallon is uh, their chimpanzee. Yes. Um, one uh, one time. Yes. <laughs> one time I got um hosting this guy's show at a video themed bar and uh he pitched it to me as i was hosting a game of mario party but in the character of a nazi and i said what does that mean and this was like right before it started he was like you'll figure it out and then um mario party lasts for around two hours and the only people in the audience were his family (laughs) And that just reminds me exactly of what Ryan Seacrest went through every day on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Seacrest, (laughs) you'll figure it out. Seacrest, have fun with the kids and the animals. Never work with animals and kids, they tell me. And every day he's showing up just like, I don't, I just don't, I don't get why we're doing it. They're like, don't ask that. Just get out there. We're having fun. This is. We're learning. We're learning all about the animals. This time, we're learning about squirrels. Sure, sure, sure. It's squirrels, but why do we have the nut guillotine? I don't see what that has to do with squirrels. Peanut butter. Peanut. The pie guillotine has nothing to do with birds. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think they just had a prop, and they're like, "Fuck it, let's <laughs> use." <laughs> Adam's family wasn't using it. You want it? (laughs) The Adam's family show wasn't using it. So I have to actually, like, actually now break and, like, rip the band-aid now. The elephant in the room. And I'm not talking about on wild animal games. Uh, The creator was Woody Frazier. Now, Alex, you don't know who the fuck Woody Frazier is. I don't assume you do. How would I? How would I? Woody Frazier is a producer. He directed the Richard Simmons show, the Mike Douglas show, the home show for for the longest time. And in 2017, he has been publicly accused of sexual harassment and facing three lawsuits related to these allegations. The darkest Toy Story spinoff. He created Good Morning America and the Nickelodeon game show Wild and Crazy Kids. 
but he was also he close. Good morning, America, and the less popular "Lock the Doors, America." <laughs> Good morning, America. Also, he worked with Roger Ailes and was a contributor to Fox News. Okay, so you know what? I didn't fully read the Wikipedia thing. I just saw a sexual harassment and assumed he was touching these yes. kids. But, you know, maybe he was just touching their parents. Yeah, uh, Frazier announced that attorney Lisa Bloom was threatening to sue him for sexual harassment. He continued in a statement that he believed the allegations were part of the calculated attempt to ruin his reputation after he had refused to follow Bloom's demands for a settlement. In August 2017, a written declaration by Caroline Heldman, associate professor of Occidental College and a contributor to Fox News, was published of allegations of sexual harassment in a proposition of a job at Fox for sex with him. Today also, at Wild Animal Games, we're covering haters. Yeah. <laughs> also, their natural prey, innocent men. This also continued. <laughs> Home and family co-host Mark Steins was lawsuit September 2018 alleged he was fired for supporting two women who brought sexual harassment claims against Frazier and also alleged that Frazier ran a fear-based operation on the set where he regularly bullied, verbally abused, and harassed cast and crew. On October 26, 2018, it was reported that Shanty Higohos filed a lawsuit against Crown Media that claims that Frazier harassed her for years and the network failed to respond. He alleges that Frazier was only oh, removed after a... she... <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm just imagine Woody Frazier, like 1995, Woody Frazier, Wild and Crazy Kids, doing the same shit <laughs> to Seacrest and other cast members. He's like a, he's like the Imperial Japanese Army, like Seacrest talks out and he just slaps him in the face in front of the crew. <laughs> you want to be a star, um, right? <laughs> you want to be a star. <laughs> to Woody. Get in the pool with the monkey. <laughs> I don't want to um, get in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Just starts yelling in Japanese. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you know what but you know that just shows my ignorance that i see it's a nickelodeon or family style show and i assume he's a pedophile king when really he's just a run-of-the-mill asshole yeah who got multiple lodges and contributed to fox news i didn't see any like game shows on fox news there was no like revival of wild animal games <laughs> Welcome back to Death of Family Values. Da, da, da. Death, 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 yeah, death of family deal. values. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, wait, I realized, no, yeah, there was already a zoo worth covering. It's called Congress. Hey, that's good. How would you like to write for my show, Wild Animal Games? I'll take it. <laughs> They just have, like, throwaway late-night lines. <laughs> I'm Ryan Seacrest. There were a few choice uh, jokes. I'll tell you who's a real bird of prey. Bob Moeller. <laughs> Bring back the show. We're bringing back the show. I mean, like, I think that's all we could really cover in terms of the the format. It's very loose. It's barely a format. Barely, barely cohesive of a... It's like a variety animal show with game. If this was made now, it would just be a poorly produced podcast. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I put more effort into this podcast than Wild Animal Games. <laughs> and even then, it's just... I hit record, and I'm calling it... They're like, yeah, it's a day. Uh, yeah. So, crew uh, or anything. So it's really thankless work. How would so we've established Seacrest? He's a he's Seacrest. He still is hosting self Seacrest. He never said Seacrest out. Big big negative. Big negative. Two thumbs down for no Seacrest out. 
No Seacrest out. Catchphrase. Seacrest flying away like a bird of prey! I mean, I guess the storyline of the game is exactly like you said earlier. Like, it's supposed to be he's like a safari zookeeper and he brought the animals and it's their story. He has the same outfit as Eliza Thornberry's dad. (sighs) The only smashing we're gonna do is with these plastic ostrich eggs. Now smash it, bird. You broke the eggs. Smashing. <laughs> uh, thankfully, there was no other adaptations. There's, I don't think they even made it on VHS. So I'm pretty sure all the episodes that were ever uploaded was because of like some fan trading guy who just was a big fan and decided to put it up on YouTube. Or somebody who worked for the show who got burned who were like, "You're gonna tell me what to do? <laughs> Everyone will see what you did." <laughs> well, you, all you did was throw pencils in the pool. Like that's the game unpaid labor yeah truly embarrassing you have to wonder how much content coming out right now will be as shameful as watching this 20 years later is now well that's the the this is the, the last part of the show is should this show be rebooted if so how and like well i mean animal Planet will probably pick this show up if ever like now that there is an animal planet it's a whole planet a whole planet and i i don't know if you. If can... there's no room for this there then where is it now, I don't think you can book uh, Seacrest anymore. I think he's a little too high profile. But, uh, and Lil Zan. You get Lil Zan? See, you're, I was <laughs> thinking one of the Paul yeah, brothers. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking yeah. Logan or Jake. So you can just have him tase the dead <laughs> animal for like 30 minutes and make that the game show. He's trying to put his finger in the ass of different animals around the globe. <laughs> well, I can't believe it. The poop is a cube. Whoa, how is it like that? Whoa. That's fucked up. Whoa. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, lick its head. Fuck, man. I've never seen a Logan Paul video. I imagine it's just like episode in 2008. Have you ever seen Viva La Bam? <laughs> um, I think I saw an episode. Now imagine that, but like someone trying to do their worst Bam Bargera impression. <laughs> Uh, the, the best part of Bam is when he wakes Like some guy on his like fourth like monster energy drink binge going, whoa man, so fucked up man, you know, whoa. Giving himself PTSD from a war he never fought. Yeah. <laughs> the so amount of energy drinks he consumes. <laughs> so if I was to reboot it Wild Animal Games, I'd probably not make it like Wild Animal Games. <laughs> if I was to reboot Wild Animal Games, I would just be, um... A vigilante going house to house, sending the producers of the original show to jail. I mean, that's now you're. Now, hey, I thought I told you to stay off my private messages of what I would actually do. <laughs> I know. I feel like I've done the format of the show all backwards, and I apologize. <laughs> You've already no. You have done it perfectly so far. You are nailing cool. it, it. It's the we are going bit by bit because there's not a lot to talk about. I would say if I had to reboot the the show it would just be like animal planet you would have like i guess hd footage of animals you'd probably spend more money on voiceover work and then have the zookeeper like someone of actual zookeeping experience probably be a host i don't know any zookeepers and then like you don't do anything else like you just have the format be here's three different games and then whoever wins gets like a small prize like Here's a team of three versus a team of three in the pop balloon game. Here's a team of three and a team of three in a 
throw the ball into the into the tire challenge and then here's a team of three with that won the first game with the other team of three that won the other challenge and they're gonna do the answer the fun questions about animals game hey here's six kids they're gonna fight in this ring and the winner wears a t-rex costume it's the same inflatable T-Rex costume you have seen every year for the last three years. Who is this guy? Is he wacky? I don't know. This is fun because it seems like this whole genre of TV is just you do a brainstorm and then don't check anything off the list. <laughs> it's... it's all going on the show. So, yeah, I think that's going to be in my reboot is just you get a bunch of kids in dinosaur costumes doing Fortnite dances like right after Fortnite is passe so they're still doing flossing and dabbing and it's like oh well <laughs> i tried <laughs> and then the winning uh, team of three can... and then the winning team of three they get bicycles <laughs> or a nintendo switch it's... something cheap because it's still cheap yeah it's cheap enough i think you get an entire uh catalog of artifact cards now under 60 dollars and um, it, and of course we still have to have the the guillotine uh decapitate a rich bureaucratic ceo <laughs> that pays into the our our senate and house so they can make sure they yeah, but get... the rest of the show is the same <laughs> the same show and you, be clear on that <laughs> and don't even change the theme song you still keep this you still keep that wild animal games wild animal games it i think um, that's exactly it. like they were expecting like six seven year olds to start screaming that in the house just wild animal games jimmy shut up uh, <laughs> I think you could take a postmodern approach as well. This is just an alternate pitch um, where, you know, like we were saying before, man is the most dangerous animal, and we uh, turn into his his uh, his decline into that of an animal state. And so we just take kids and let them play an iPad at too young of an age, and then record that, and that's the show. Oh, see, that, there you that that see, I like that a bit more. But as long as you keep the voiceover at the age of six, as long as you keep the voiceover work, like I'm Julian, I'm a kindergarten. <laughs> I don't know my yeah. alphabet, but I sure know how to watch these weird Elsa videos where she gets pregnant. I'm learning about incels, MAGA. <laughs> wow, you guys should oh. really watch this Jordan Peterson video. Really makes you think. All right. About that, the kangaroo is the only animal that triggers feminists, and that's why in this game we're gonna just start uh, eating bacon and laughing our asses off while retweeting Piers Morgan on Twitter. Tune in for the final round where we allow an adult male kangaroo to box a fifteen-year-old girl. Or just have that. Just like bring back Man vs. Beast. Just like have a boxing kangaroo and have people try to beat the shit out of it. That would be. Kangaroos are strong as fuck, though. Especially their legs. And power comes from the legs. It's all about the legs. It's the lobster episode. And so you're going to watch me, Ryan Seacrest, eat a delicious five star dinner. The, the point is it's an entire world of options it's one of the best shows i've ever seen you you gotta bring it back yes it's so loosely interpreted you could do pretty much anything at this point especially now that we're definitely going to lose the amazon by the time you get this through production it's more important than ever well there is a different kind of amazon the one with jeff bezos and that's why it's an amazon prime original series <laughs> wild animal games will be sure to 
captivate the I'm hearts a, and minds of I'm children a everywhere. Warehouse worker every day. I chime in. It's sick. They have like a voiceover of just what it's like to work at Amazon. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> they just rehash like Flintstones voiceover work. It's just clips of like people like into deliverers. It's a living. I'm the floor manager. I don't rest till I get everything on the carts. <laughs> I'm the delivery guy. I have to pee in the bottle because they won't let me have a break. <laughs> okay, so we've like we've highlighted nine different ways this show could go. We have made, we have well, it's a very cheap, damn dumb format. That I can safely say. Um, Eat shit, Jeremy Hammond. We saw, found something better in Carbon San Diego. Eat shit. Uh, I shouldn't say that. He's your, he's your friend. <laughs> but, but before we get going, uh, there is a lightning round, Alex. So here's why it works. I have the questions right here. You can hear that in that nice ASMR tone. Listen to that. Yeah, look at those questions. So there's five questions. Oh, you physically wrote these down? I wrote these questions down. I have five questions, and you have 60 seconds to answer all five questions. For everyone you get right is a free plug. Most podcasts only give you two. You can win five here. Oh, good. I need more plugs. Let's do this. <laughs> all right. So we're going to put – so you're, you're up for it. You ready to play? Are they, que- are they questions about a specific topic or just questions These about anything? These are just questions. Well, I have answers. Let's go. All right. 60 Let's go, binge. All right. We're playing for it. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Who is the hottest babe in Dragon Ball? Uh, Bulma. Young Bulma. Does Seacrest deserve better? Yes, he deserves the world, my prince. Love it or leave it? Leave it. Which game show host do you think is the biggest union buster? Also Ryan Seacrest, and that just adds to his duality. When is the next paid protest? Uh, Mar- Oh, no, wait, there's one in- Oh, wait, this is coming out March? March, March 22nd. All right, you did it, that's five! <laughs> you did it! Woo! And one of them was a plug. Yeah, it was almost as if I planned that out tonight. <laughs> you gotta hand it to the, the, the management here. At, at this show. <laughs> so, Alex, what do you want to plug? This is your moment. Okay, so I have all my boring shit I usually plug, and, um, you know, that's not that exciting. You can listen to my podcasts on Pod Damn America, on Ballin' Out Super. Those are both fun. Uh, Leftist podcasts and comedy podcasts. Those are good. Follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes. I think the main thing I want to plug is I should have a stand-up half hour on Spotify by the time this comes out. And so if you go to my Twitter, I'll pin it. Listen to that. And then if you like it, go buy it. Neat. Holy shit. That's awesome, Alex. You'll Thanks. Have... I'm really excited about it. And you have one more plug, by the way. Oh. Uh, if you're a rich and powerful TV um, personality, I have made a short film. I want to turn into a TV show. Get at me. All right. I will be sure. You can only pin one thing. I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> I'll be sure to uh, link to your Vimeo with the short film then. Okay, the password is bubble. Bubble. Is it just like 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 just like a blow? Okay, thank you. Yeah, like a bubble. Thank you I so much, Alex Patek. You have won. <laughs> yeah. Bicycle. <Car! Bye>, <laughs>
One bicycle. <laughs> and the message about the sad state of television and life. Yeah, um, I just uh. I wish I could win a time machine to go back and get on this show <laughs> of the American Empire. You, you know, if, if I can find it, I'll try and see if there's any one of those remaining wild animal game shirts, and we'll just send one out to you. That would be perfect, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Alex Patak. Normally at this part of the show, I would explain uh, things I might have forgotten about wild animal games, but there really isn't that much. I mean, when it comes to children's game shows, it was this or Animal Planet Zoo Venture, for instance, which both had animal themes and, and different husbandry things and learning about wildlife and ecosystem. But we're just, I'm going to talk about the things I forgot about Alex Patak. Because Alex is a really cool guy. Alex Patak's uh, stand-up special is now out on Spotify. It is called Cry Havoc. And you should check it out. It's Cry Havoc with an exclamation point. Check it out. It's on Spotify. A lot of fun. I laughed my ass off when it, the story about cops. Also, his movie is called Space Trash. You should really check it out. There's some teasers out there and a Kickstarter and it was a lot of fun to watch, and he is very talented. This is something that one of his heartfelt projects to, to check out. And also because he is a stand-up comedian, he is doing paid protests, one of the coolest things out there in the Brooklyn comedy music scene. If you love stand-up comedy and you're from the Brooklyn area, maybe you should go to paid protest. That is on March 22nd at the Mayday Space in Brooklyn, New York. I'm not going to be there, unfortunately. I'm from Los Angeles. But if I was able to afford a plane and travel to Brooklyn, I'd probably depend on if it's on the 22nd or not because I don't know if I can have the money saved up for them. But but if I did, that's definitely where I would go to paid protest at the Mayday Space, March 22nd. Come see Alex Patak. Not just Alex, but other fantastic stand-up comedians. Kate Barbadoro's there, Anders Lee, Rogoff is there. All these people kind of know who I am, which is also very weird. And I'll try and get all the rest of them onto this show for later paid protest promotions. Because I feel like that's something worth doing. Proceeds go to, of course, to DSA and other great causes. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, a 110-part series looking at every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is called Pricing Game Spotlight. Oh, I was dancing to the theme song. Anyway, today's game is Shell Game. Premiere date, June 17th, 1974. Tape number 0941D. Premiere date in the carry area, October 24th, 2007. Number 4053K. Aired out of order on October 23rd, 2007. Price game locations, the turntable. Finale date with Barker was June 1st, 2007. Who cares? It's still around. It's not a canceled game. It's based off the carnival game of the same name, by the way. Here's how the game works. The game begins with four shells on a table, one of which conceals a ball. Played like the carnival game of the same name, the host mixes up the shells so that no one knows where the ball is. 
The contestant is then shown four small prizes, one at a time, each with an incorrect price. The contestant guesses rather the actual retail price is higher or lower than the displayed price. A correct answer wins the prize and the chip, which the contestant uses to mark a shell, which they think conceals the ball. Once all four prizes are played, the shells are removed one by one to reveal the ball. If the shell concealing the ball is marked with a chip, the contestant wins the large prize. If the contestant guesses the wrong price for all of the small prizes, the game automatically ends in a loss because, you know, you didn't win any way to find the shell. Also, if a player wins all four uh, chips, which is always a possibility, they automatically win that grand prize, but they can also earn a cash bonus that's equivalent in the prize value by guessing which of these shells contains a ball. Shell Game was designed to replace Bonus Game, which was not played on the daytime show for over a year following Shell Game's debut. Bonus Game was later brought back into rotation. On October 21st, 1996, contestant named Armel earned a comeback win by correctly placing the chip on the third shell. They looked under the other shells that didn't have a chip placed, and there was no ball, and a buzzer didn't even sound. He guessed the first three items wrong, but on the last one right, he won a trip to Sweden. Shell Game's current set debuted March 6, 2001, number 1732K. From the game's debut until the end of Season 38 aired out of order, the cash bonus for finding the shell concealing the ball for a perfect game was 500 bucks. On October 26, 2010, $500 bonus for winning all four of the small prizes is permanently changed to the cash equivalent of the prize. The cash equivalent for the prize was first won on January 10, 2014. The first ball used resembled a regular tennis ball before switching to a yellow rubber ball sometime in the 1980s. On February 24, 2014, the yellow rubber ball was replaced by a new white rubber ball with the Price is Right logo on it. Only once has the game been played on primetime television, but sadly that playing was lost. On October, on August 11, 2015, aired out of order, a summer beach party special shell game was renamed Seashell Game using seashells, one of which had a pearl. On October 24, uh, October 14, 2015, during the show's Big Money Week, shell game was played for one hundred thousand dollars. The main prize was fifty thousand, and the cash bonus for finding the shell concealing a perfect game was an additional $50,000 for the $100,000 total. Nighttime Appearances Shell Game was one of the two pricing games added during the third primetime season hosted by Dennis James, the other being Money Game. On episodes number 079N and 082N, respectively. Additionally, this version offered a $1,000 bonus if a contestant played the game perfectly could pick the shell with the ball on the Tom Kennedy-hosted syndicate version. The bonus amount was originally $500 and increased to $1,000. On at least one playing in the second half of the run, the contestant received the bonus automatically without having to find the ball. On the Doug Davidson version, Shell Game, like most of the other games traditionally played on the turntable, was played on stage while the prize remained visible behind the table. The production of this version used a jib camera, which took overhead shots of the game's prop as Davidson mixed the shells. This camera angle had the unfortunate effect of making the black countertop blend into the black floor. Additionally, the small polarized platform was placed to the left of the game board. It is unknown if the bonus was in effect in this version. Bloopers on an episode on October 6, 1986. When she guessed the second prize correctly after making a mistake on the small prize, 
Contestant Deborah did not understand how to play, looking under the first shell to find out whether there was a ball before it before putting a chip. Only to give away too much of a hint having Bob say, that's the dirtiest trick anyone's ever pulled on me, as everyone saw that ball was there. Thinking she was supposed to put the ball under the shell, she then realized her mistake and put the chip by the shell, as is normally done. Bob then pointed out to Deborah not to put the chip by the first shell after realizing that she had done and asked her to move the chip. So she placed it by the third shell. After getting two more chips afterward, she placed them on the second and fourth shells. Notifying this result, Bob points to the obvious fact that I'm pretty sure she's won this. Bob then went looking from right to left, but there was still no ball. He then says, you've ruined my show, you've ruined my game, and then points to an obvious win saying, this would be exciting, but everyone knows the damn thing's not there. Um, in our episode, Grocery Game was mistakenly using the Shell Game sign. Shell Game was also the name of a short-lived crime-fighting show, which also aired on CBS on January 8th until February 12th, 1987, starting Superman movie alumni Margot Kidder as Janine Jerome, as Jenny Jerome, and James Reed as John Reed, and a young Marg Hellenberger as Natalie Thayer of CSI fame. Kidder has now passed away since May 13, 2018, at the age of 69. The most number of playings in a season, also 69. Also, uh, <laughs> this game is played in the different variations internationally. On French Canadian, it was called La Pearl Rare, the Rare Pearl. Viennese version is called Over the Sea. Uh, German versions played uh, the Selfish Game, played with the same rules minus the bonus. So uh, what I like about this is, uh, the, once again, much like what I talked about bonus game, the maximum drama you can have is just winning one shell and picking uh, the, the one that wins. That's what I like about this game is even if you have sucked horribly three out of four times, you could still possibly win with that one and only chance. What I also like about Shell Game is also uh, the fact that there is a bonus. If you get all four right, there's a chance that you can double the prize value if you correctly predict which one has the ball anyway, which I do also enjoy as a novel niche. In fact, this is one of the rare games where it's like, I really don't have anything to change to the rules or add other than maybe cosmetics. Make make it like a green felt table, like a like a deck of cards or something around that range. But it's just a classic game that doesn't really need any updates whatsoever, which I enjoy. I love a classic game like Shell Game. The last thing I want to add before moving on is that Shell Game also has its own prices right ticket redemption game if you go to like a Dave and Buster's or maybe even Chuck E. Cheese you can play shell game now unlike on uh, this version of the game what you get to do is you get to see the ball and then it gets covered up by a shell and then slowly shuffles and it's very slow so you can follow it pretty easily so when you pick the correct shell you win bonus tickets, and then you get to spin the big wheel for bonus tickets. And that's the game. That's all you do in the Price is Right Shell game, Ticket Redemption game. And I kind of enjoy that as a as a novel thing. I went to Dave & Buster's to celebrate my birthday recently, and it was not there. I was real disappointed. But I do know it does exist, much like the Press Your Luck arcade game. But it's something worth, worth noting. Like, the Price is Right... There are other notable games besides Plinko. 
and one of them is shell game so much of it got a ticket redemption game and that's why i really love uh this pricing game plus it's really simple because it's a versatile game you can make it played for a trip you can make it play for a car you can make it play for money who cares all you need is just four random prices higher or lower theoretically and then the ability to double it if you want to i like that i like that in a pricing game and that's Something worth noting when it comes to the shell game, one of my favorite games on The Price is Right. Speaking of which, uh, next week on Pricing Game Spotlight, we'll be taking a look at card game. Hashtag Jordan for card game? I mean, card sharks? Card game. Card game. <sighs> well, I hate to end the show like this because it's, it's always sad news to report, but... Right after I uploaded Game Shows, I suppose, last week, news broke about Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek uh, made a YouTube video on the official Jeopardy channel letting people know that he has been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And it's one of those really tough feelings, especially someone who loves game shows like me, you know, for a lot of people, they've already tweeted out their thoughts and their blessings and hoping it goes back into remission. And it, it's tough. He, his video was more optimistic. It was one that said, there's that chance. Let's hope I have that chance. I'm going to keep doing this. And then jokingly talking about how he still has a contract and he has to keep hosting this show. And it, it it's very hard. It, it's, it's, heart, it's disheartening to hear that news. And I knew eventually I had to bring up that story, and I'm glad it it, it took a few days for before I can come up with my thoughts. But it's 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 it's, it's I was numb for that entire day. It's not like in a parasocial way. Like I have not like friends with Alex Trebek. And almost everyone already tweeted there, get well soon, Alex. We miss you, Alex. Or it's it's the think pieces because we're in a really shitty internet world where it's Alex Trebek is the smart man and we love you, Alex Trebek. You make you make intelligence meaningful and we love you. And I'm a, as a game show guy, it's like, you do know Alex Trebek is not the only host of Jeopardy. Like, like Art Fleming did this, like, eight years before jeopardy in 1984 like he's hosted that show in the 70s like he wasn't the first jeopardy host and then if you're in the game show world people are having their thoughts of what will happen if trebek passes away because of the cancer like like holy shit like let the guy at least fight this thing jesus and if that's the case what they're either going to do is they're going to air repeats until the fall or they're going to find a replacement host. And they have a few replacement hosts in mind. Uh, they might just get Dan Patrick from Sports Jeopardy, for instance. Who cares? Alex Trebek is currently in a fight for his life right now. And he, as a matter of broadcasting legacy, is told audiences about this very horrific thing. And is fighting for his life right now. But he's also still hosting the show by now. He is. I'm reading reports that he's still taping Jeopardy 
even though this is a big, big thing to fight for, a big illness. And I don't know if that is just a sign of his character or how he is as a as a broadcasting icon. But even in the worst possible moments of his life, he is still doing probably one of the few things he enjoys doing, which is hosting Jeopardy. And I know people's hearts are in the right place, but when I see game show fans just like, well, what's going to happen if the show, if like he's dead, all the way to these people looking for a quick, easy click with 20 things you might know about Alex Trebek may surprise you. I know him for more than Jeopardy. He hosted Classic Concentration. He hosted High Rollers. He was the host of Starcade in the pilots. He hosted Battle Stars. We can go through these lists, Wizard of Odds. And at, at, at some point, are people just forgetting he hosted other things? Because I know in the mainstream mind, he's only the Jeopardy host. And... I know him for more than just Jeopardy. And maybe that's where I'm coming from. It's He's more than just Jeopardy. He's done a lot of things. And in a time of great, really depressingly sad news, where he gets diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, not just like stage one, stage four. Like it, get, it can't get worse than stage four. We have to have this sensational attitude towards things. And for Alex Trebek to basically make a video calmly letting people know, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to keep hosting Jeopardy for as long as I can. Have your have your thoughts with me. There, There's something meaningful about that. And there's something that you see in that that not a lot of other people would do. Certainly not celebrities, but just in general, like a regular person would not break such troubling news in such a way. But there is something reaffirming about Alex Trebek's message that makes you feel like it's okay. And you don't think about the severity as much. You just think of him the way you want. He wants you to think of him as, which is this good-natured game show host who just loves hosting this weird game show with questions and answers, or answers and questions. A lot of videos are breaking about like, "In Jeopardy is this March? The show is not getting canceled. It's not ending. We're the focus is on Trebek." in this in this illness in this illness and that that it's 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 very it's a very weird thought to have and i am right now having that that same numbness right now just talking about it but part of me is thinking for some bizarre reason alex trebek is actually going is actually reaffirming what he's saying that one chance, he's going to be the guy. He will be the one that will actually fight back and beat this. Because I think he could, and he wants you to think he could. So I think instead of just doing all this speculation, he's going to keep walking to Culver City, host a quiz show, 
and continue fighting this in the off time. And maybe, just maybe, he could actually beat this odds. And that would be amazing of a story. So all I could say is I wish Alex Trebek a speedy recovery. And I hope he beats this. Because he says there's that chance and I want him to have that chance. Because Jeopardy definitely is an iconic show. Alex Trebek is, yeah, he's, I guess typecast is the Jeopardy guy. But he's hosted way more things in his broadcast career. And he has this level of dry wit that you don't see anywhere else. And this video was way more reaffirming, way more calming than what a lot of people who might have been diagnosed with that would say or act. So whatever happens, I all I got to say is we just got to thank Alex Trebek for an amazing lifetime of hosting a game show and being one of the biggest icons in television. And I I hope that he continues hosting Jeopardy. He ha he has three years. He has to continue this. So thanks again to Alex Trebek. And hey you continue. Um that's going to do it for us tonight here on Game Shows, I suppose. Join us next week when we probably won't be ending a show on a very low note. Instead, have a nice, fun conversation again about game shows. Uh, until then, have a great night and big smooch. Mwah!